Miami Hurricanes Spring Football Week 2 is on deck. Here's who I'm going to be watching. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So Miami Hurricanes football players, they just enjoyed spring break. I don't know how many of them actually went on break. A lot of guys kept working through the week, which is great. Week two in spring ball is coming up. Here's who and what I'm going to be watching for. I'll start with the quarterback room. I want to see another strong week from Emery Williams. The true freshman quarterback, early enrollee, hit the ground running in week one. Really impressive, great lower body strength, good footwork, really accurate in drills. And Emery Williams, he's one of those guys who literally spent his entire spring break working on his mechanics. This guy didn't go home you know, visit his family back in Milton, Florida. He stuck around Miami just working on getting better. So I want to see if Emory Williams, who had a great first week, and sometimes when you see early enrollees come in, they may have an awesome first week, and then you start to learn more of the offense, and the game starts going a little bit quicker. Maybe you regress a little bit. I don't want to see it. I'm not expecting to see it. I hope Emory Williams doesn't regress at all. I want to see him build on a really, really strong first week, and I think he will. Of course, I'm also going to be watching Jakari Brown. I remember last year at this time in spring, he didn't really look like a quarterback. He just looked like an athlete. This year, he's looking like a quarterback. I think the accuracy and the mechanics with his throwing has come a long way. Um, And, you know, he's obviously you can pencil him in to be Miami's second string quarterback. Emery Williams, likely the third stringer. And hopefully you don't have to burn his red shirt, play him a little bit in mop-up duty here and there, but, you know, not enough to burn the red shirt. That would be ideal this year, but we need to see Emery Williams and Jakari Brown, excuse me, keep coming along and looking even better. And yes, I will be watching, of course, Tyler Van Dyke, who looked really good in the first week of spring. And a lot of people have commented on this channel that Van Dyke won't win the starting job or that he shouldn't just be handed the starting job or some people think he's terrible, which I think is ludicrous. He did have a rough year last year, though. But let me tell you, um, you know, this was the case in fall camp last year and the case during the season last year. And it's been the case so far in spring practice. Tyler Van Dyke is the best quarterback on that practice field, and it's not close. So I don't want to hear people talking about, oh, he's just going to be handed the starting job because he's the most experienced. No, he's going to earn that starting job because he is the best quarterback in that room right now. And he's already, from a mental standpoint, from everything we hear, he's got a really good grasp already of Shannon Dawson's offense and his playbook. And Van Dyke is helping his teammates learn it. So he's Miami's starting quarterback barring injury. I think that's the only way Van Dyke loses the starting job and coming off a shoulder injury last year so far TVD is completely healthy. So another thing I'm going to be looking for in the second week of spring football. Uh you know, potentially possible practice debuts from guys who have been nursing injuries so far because there's a bunch of players who are going to miss the entire spring for minor injuries and precautions but I wonder if we'll see Akeem Mesidor this week. 
That was someone who Mario Cristobal said two weeks ago after spring practice opened that he'll probably come around maybe halfway through the spring period. I don't think we're quite halfway yet technically, but I wonder if we'll see Mesidor at some point this week. And perhaps Riley Williams, the freshman tight end, may be ready to go this week. He's been around, uh, but he's been nursing something. So another thing that I'm going to be looking for, and every time you watch a Miami practice over the past year, this is one of the first position groups that we look at. I want to see Miami's wide receivers holding on to footballs. I don't care if it's individual drills or if there's any sort of scrimmages the media is going to get to watch. I want to see the wide receivers holding on to footballs. The intensity is ramping up little by little. So this week is going to be more intense than week one. And I remember last year in spring football and in the spring game and again in fall camp and again during the season, Miami receivers were dropping passes left and right. That was a huge narrative in all practices last year. Receivers dropping balls and how you practice is how you play. We saw that in a lot of games, especially early in the year. So I want to see the most experienced and important receivers setting the tone for their teammates. I want to see Xavier Restrepo, who's usually the most solid when it comes to catching balls in practice. But I also want to see it from Colby Young and Jacoby George and Frank Ladson, who made his spring practice debut the last day of week one. I want to see these guys setting the tone for the younger guys and looking solid out there, holding on to footballs. And when you're out at practices this year, the receiver group is always a fun one to watch because now that Kevin Beard is coaching the receivers, he's just really animated and very active. Like he'll do a lot of the drills himself that he's doing with his players. So the receiver group is always really fun to watch for that reason. And on a side note with the receivers, I don't know how much like actual scrimmage 11 on 11s, the media is going to get to see before the spring game, but in the spring game, it's going to be fun seeing how Miami's corners match up with the receivers, right? You look at a guy like Colby young, who's Miami's tallest receiver at six foot five, Devontae Brown is the tallest corner at six foot two. So maybe they match up in the spring game. That's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, something else we'll be watching throughout week two of Miami spring practice. Defensive installs. Just the defensive players learning Lance Guidry's system. Because believe it or not, the defense is actually behind the offense right now when it comes to installing new playbooks on both sides. New offense, new defense. But the defense is a little bit behind right now. And I think part of that is, they're so much more affected by injuries than the offense is right now because the defensive line has been without, I mentioned Mesidor, without Leonard Taylor, without Jared Harrison Hunt, Jafari Harvey, Jake Lichtenstein. Uh, you know, the safeties are without James Williams right now. Linebackers have been without Corey Flagg. So uh, I, I'd like to see just how much more smoothly the defensive sides of practice run because Guidry has been sort of bringing the installation along pretty slowly. I want to see if they ramp it up in week two. Uh, I will be watching both Mauingoas, Francis, Francisco. Because on that last practice before spring break, Francis, the early enrollee freshman, was starting at right tackle. And Francisco, the older brother, transferred from Washington State, was getting starters reps at Mike Linebacker. So are these guys going to pick up right where they left off? Uh, and, you know, on the offensive line, especially Mario and Mirabal like to rotate guys throughout spring ball and fall camp cross training so I want to see if we see a lot more starters reps from Francis uh, and Francisco obviously a pretty solid option at linebacker as well uh, there's going to be a bunch of the early enrollees and the young guys that again I'm going to be watching similar to what I said about Emery Williams who 
killed it the first week. Uh, is that going to carry over into the second week? Is he going to keep crushing it when the intensity and the speed gets a little bit quicker in practice? So I'm going to be watching an early standout like Caleb Spencer at safety. He's been one of the pleasant surprises so far because, uh, you know, he should be still in high school at this point. I'm also going to be checking on the progress from the Pancake Honcho. Uh, we don't talk about Samson Okunlola enough lately, and it's only because Francis Mauingoa has just been such a standout. It's not to say that Samson hasn't been also. Like, Samson's been really, really good, but I just think the way that Francis has, you know, been getting some starters reps, it overshadows uh, the Pancake Honcho a little bit, but he's going to be a future starter probably at left tackle for Miami, and he's really fun to watch. Uh, on the defensive side, of course, we're going to be watching the Gotham duo Ruben Bain and Jaden Wayne, they look really good already. Uh, I always have my eyes, of course, on the receivers. I mentioned that group, but the two young guys, Robbie Washington and Ray Ray Joseph and Isaiah Horton, not a newcomer heading into his second year, but you know he obviously had a, a quiet year as a first-year guy last year, just one catch last season. He's been looking really good in practice. And Isaiah, Isaiah Horton is another one who has solid size at wide receiver at six foot four. He showed some really positive reps last week. So that's what I'm going to be watching out for in week two of spring practice. We've got a couple of in interesting recruiting notes on the other side, including um, I finally got into a Judd Anderson rabbit hole. You know, we talked about Judd Anderson, the three-star quarterback out of Georgia that Miami has offered, and he's going to be taking a visit in early April, April 6th. Uh, I spoke about him with John Garcia yesterday. At that time, I was yet to watch Judd. I watched Judd's huddle earlier today, and I'll talk about what I saw. And also, basketball team, got to prepare for Indiana tomorrow night, Sunday night. Hurricanes in the round of 32. Let's freaking go. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And guys, with all these NCAA tournament games going on, it's been heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. It's not too late, and FanDuel is America's number one sports book. So if you didn't download in time, to bet on Miami yesterday, you would have won that bet. So that's a shame. It's not too late to get in for the round of 32 because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So do not miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen and your first watch today on this Saturday. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Uh, so a couple of uh, good notes from uh, from that dude. Uh, I, I like this guy, Stephen Wagner at Cane Sport, although I don't he this dude looks like he's 25 and he's got a like a 1980s mustache. It's a little weird. But once you get past the mustache, I think that dude does really good work. Uh, he has a note here on one of the quarterbacks that the Miami Hurricanes are after. We've talked about this guy a little bit before. Michael Van Buren. Miami is high on his list, according to Wagner. And Van Buren said, I feel really good about Miami. They're definitely higher on my radar. I'm looking forward to seeing the campus and everything in person. Okay. And he's keeping in regular contact, Rat Wagner writes, with Miami's coaching staff as he remains one of the relatively few uncommitted blue chip quarterbacks. 
Miami is also in heavy pursuit of four-star quarterback Aaron Nolan, who we talked extensively about uh, in a recent episode, who's the number four quarterback in the class. He's going to be visiting March 24th. Van Buren hopes to take an unofficial to Miami soon. He says, quote, I talked to all the offensive staff and I talked to Coach Mario Cristobal. He said, they all make sure to check up on me consistently and just show a lot of love, he said. Now, uh, Van Buren, uh, I like a lot. He's one of the better quarterbacks in this class, and Miami's been in on him for a long time. Now, another one that I've just become a little bit more accustomed to lately, Judd Anderson, three-star uh, out of Georgia. But this is a three-star. Uh, I think he's going to be a riser. I think as he gets recruited and scouted by more of the big programs, would not surprise me to see this kid pick up a fourth star, especially when you consider his size. I mean, it's not too often you say this, but if this young man keeps growing, he might become too tall to play quarterback, right? Because he's already six foot six as a guy who's still a junior in high school heading into his senior season. You know, some guys, you know, they, they stop growing around 17, 18 years old. Other guys, they keep sprouting up when they're 18, 19. Uh, but I, I actually started watching Anderson. I went down a rabbit hole this morning, three star out of the state of Georgia. And, um, he reminds me at this stage in his development of Justin Herbert, big quarterback with a really strong arm. Okay. Anderson really tall. I mentioned six foot six, but he's very athletic. He's also a basketball star in high school. And so he's really quick and moving around the pocket can get outside the pocket and pick up extra yards as well. So he's very mobile for a guy that size. So if I look at someone who's six foot six and basically an athletic unicorn who can play quarterback. I think the possibilities are endless there. Uh, so again, I think he's going to be a fast riser right now. He's so athletic that if he were to, for whatever reason, and maybe some of the schools recruiting him might pitch this idea to him. If he were to decide to maybe change positions to play tight end, he could probably do that as a really high level, but his arm is so strong that I don't look at him as someone it's like, yeah, I, I don't know if you should play quarterback because he's got a, a really, really strong, accurate arm. So I think potential there at six foot six with his mobility and athleticism. Uh, I think Judd Anderson uh, can really be a solid quarterback at the next level. OK, uh, you know, another this is interesting because we've talked about this a lot. This harkens back to a conversation that I had with our boy Blue, Larry Bluestein, a couple days ago on this show talking about Jason Taylor and the impact that the new Miami Hurricanes defensive line coach is already having and can have in recruiting, right? If anyone thinks, oh, this guy's got his gold jacket, you know, he's just there to look pretty on camera, collect a paycheck. He's a Hall of Famer. He's got all the money in the world in the bank already. What does he care? He's not going to put in the work. No, 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 no. Jason Taylor is and will put in the work. I mean, he Hall of Fame jacket, millions of dollars in the bank or not, Jason Taylor, uh, believe me, he would not still be on the staff right now if he wasn't willing to put in the work because working for Mario Cristobal and putting in the grind that he expects is not an easy thing. And Jason Taylor, he's having impact on the recruiting trail already. Now, we've got to close some of these prospects out there, okay? But he's making an impression on five-star edge rusher Dylan Stewart, who is one of the top players in the 2024 class period he says um the message to me is i would be developed very well because my position coach there would be jason taylor he said so that would be a good opportunity for me and all of the former players who do well 
they just come back and help out too. So he likes that aspect of Miami. He likes the idea that so many of the former, and Jason Taylor, not a former Miami player, obviously, but a lot of the former great Hurricanes players, like maybe a guy like Calais Campbell would stop by and, and see the defensive ends, that sort of thing. He likes the fact that the former players are active, and he loves the idea of being coached by a Hall of Fame NFL defensive end. That's going to be something that resonates with a lot of the edge targets out there. So I thought that was really cool hearing that young man talking about Jason Taylor and, you know, for the one of the top two, three players in the class, Miami has a lot of work to do if they're going to try to get one like that over the finish line. But folks, countless times I've heard it, uh, you know, defensive ends, edge rushers who get recruited by Jason Taylor, that guy makes an impression on them and he's willing to put in that work. Hopefully Kane's hoops is willing to put in that work tomorrow night. I hate staying up late, so I'm kind of bummed that they gave us the 8.40 p.m. tomorrow night against Indiana in the round of 32 because, yeah, I got to do some work after the game as well. So, coffee, going to be coffeeing up tomorrow, okay? But Miami, they escaped against Drake. Um, Huge credit to Jim Laranega because with five minutes and ten seconds left in that basketball game against Drake, it felt almost hopeless at that point. I talked about this with Isaac Shade of Locked On College Basketball on our episode last night. He told me that at that point, 5-10 left in the ballgame. Drake had a 90% win probability. And then Miami was somehow able to win the game by seven points. And they did it uh, with that full court press and just smothering defense. And they hit clutch free throws down the stretch. And Nigel Pack was hitting clutch shots. Um, I think we can all agree on something. Now, first of all, first of all, I want to say this, okay? Because I see a lot of people whining about this victory. Like, oh, Miami was terrible. Folks, NCAA tournament, win ugly, win pretty, just win. I don't care how you win. It's the tournament. Every game is an individual season, okay? The matchups and the type of performances Miami gets from the Drake game to the Indiana game are going to be completely different. Now, if Miami's going to have any chance against the Hoosiers, you need two of your best players to actually show up. I don't think Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller even caught the plane to Albany. Like, where were those guys yesterday? Wong was putting up some ugly shots. He shot one for 10. I thought Drake defended him very well. They were putting an extra man on him at all times. Um, you know, Miami could have maybe compensated for that a little bit better through the first, you know, 35 minutes of the basketball game. Uh, but Isaiah Wong, your ACC player of the year, he's got to step up. Jordan Miller needs to shoot better and do more offensively. Uh, I was really happy with what I saw from Norchad Omir, who's playing through pain, still put in a big man's double double with 12 points and 14 rebounds. And Nigel Pack and Wuga Poplar carried Miami offensively. But you're going to need all hands on deck on Sunday night. You're not beating the Hoosiers, who are going to be a bigger team, by the way. So Miami needs to turn the basketball over a lot less, and hopefully Omir's ankle is even healthier on Sunday than it was on Friday uh, because this is going to be a tougher matchup, and you're not going to win this matchup if you don't hit your shots and your three-pointers at a higher clip because Miami, Miami didn't hit their first field goal until – seven minutes into the basketball game last night. Like, you're not going to get away with droughts like that if you want to win this game against Indiana. The margin for error shrinks dramatically. We're going to talk more about the, the basketball team on tomorrow's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in on a Saturday. Uh, can't wait for week two of spring practice. Uh, oh, before we go, I did want to read uh, a new five-star 
review that we got on Apple Podcasts because we like to shout you guys out when we can. And yeah, if you if you listen to the audio version, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, if you can hit us a five-star rating. And if you can take a few extra seconds and leave us a nice five-star review, we will shout you out on the program. So we got a new five-star from Mr. C. Canes Boys, who says, top three Canes pod in the business. He said, I'm, in, I'm not number one, top three. You know what? There's so many great content creators out there. As long as I'm in your top three, as long as you're listening every day, I don't, I don't even care who else is in the top two. I, worst kept secret in the world, I love everybody who makes Canes content. Like, I, I, I love the Orange Bowl boys. I love Coach Coop. I love uh, You Heard podcast. I love all the Miami Flow guys. Uh, six ring cane. I know I'm going to leave some people out, but uh, everybody who makes Kane's content is good in my book. Uh, he says, Dono always delivers great information on all Kane's aspects. Thank you so much. Big C Kane's boys. So if you guys want to leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts, we like to shout you guys out on the show. We will talk to you again next time on another episode of locked on Kane's part of the awesome locked on podcast network, your team every day.